Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Numbers. Hey, happy Friday, friends and faithful listeners. Thanks for tuning in to the Bible Explained podcast with your host, Jen, who happens to be me. But anyway, guys, I do want to let you know that Monday, well, technically Tuesday, actually, we're going to be ending season four of the podcast. So the 24th or rather the 25th, we're going to be ending season four and moving into season five after that and the book of Deuteronomy. So that's really, really exciting because if you guys have paid attention to all the podcasts, thus far, you will have listened to seven books in their entirety of the Bible. And we'll be moving into our eighth book of the Bible. And actually, we'll be moving into nine books of the Bible because we're going to be moving from Luke into John very quickly also. But that won't be for a few more weeks. Just a quick announcement. I am going to take off from the podcast the 26th through the 28th. So I'm going to have a little gap between season four and season five. So I'm going to take those three days to just kind of finish some stuff up that I've wanted to do. But on the 31st, we'll be back with season five of the podcast and starting in uh, Deuteronomy. So Halloween, I will be back with the podcast episodes. But today, let's go ahead and talk about Numbers 35, 30 through 34. I'll be reading out the W.E.B. as I always do. Feel free to grab your cup of tea or your cup of coffee. And the reason I said tea first is because I ran out of coffee. And I'm not even joking. I feel more depressed than I usually do. (laughs) I'm telling you, like, for some reason, coffee just puts me in a depressed mood. Like, I'm sorry, no coffee puts me into a depressed mood. Tea actually makes me depressed. (laughs) I was drinking tea today. I'm like, I need something. I need something because I haven't gotten a chance to go out and get my coffee. Man, I'm just sitting here just like sad because just tea does not do the same thing. It just doesn't. It's like a nighttime beverage for me. That and hot chocolate. Like those are the two like nighttime beverages for me that I personally uh, go to. Sometimes a glass of wine. But okay, let's read Numbers 35. I'm sorry for rabbit trailing there. Verses 30 through 34. I'll be reading out of W.E.B. as I always do. Feel free to grab your Bible in whatever version you prefer. And let's sit back and relax as we read this together. Anyone who kills a person is to be put to death as a murderer only on the testimony of witnesses. But no one is to be put to death on the testimony of only one witness. Do not accept a ransom for the life of a murderer who deserves to die. They are to be put to death. Do not accept a ransom for anyone who has fled to a city of refuge and so allow them to go back and live on their own land before the death of the high priest. Do not pollute the land where you are. Bloodshed pollutes the land and atonement cannot be made for the land on which blood has been shed, except by the blood of the one who shed it. Do not defile the land where you live and where I dwell, for I, the Lord, dwell among the Israelites." This is kind of a crazy episode to jump into if you're just uh, listening in for the first time. We talked a lot about cities of refuge, just in Numbers chapter 35 in general. Basically, the entire concept of a city of refuge was a person could go there if they accidentally killed another person. Cities of refuge were not for murderers. 
They were for people who accidentally killed another human being. Because back in these days, they had something called Avengers of Blood. And the family member of the person who was killed, one of them would become the Avenger. And they would have to go out and kill the person who killed their family member. And this was extremely common, very common practice uh, that the ancient people used to do. God was protecting the innocent, or rather the people who did not mean to kill another person and did it accidentally from the avenger of blood. And that was the point of these cities of refuge. Anybody, any person, whether they were foreigner or not, could come to these cities of refuge to seek refuge, basically to seek sanctuary so that uh, their lives would not be taken by the avenger of blood. But in this chapter, God also described what a murderer was and what a manslayer was, which was very important to differentiate the two. Basically, a murderer was somebody who plotted or purposefully killed another person. A manslayer was somebody who accidentally killed another person. It was not predetermined and uh, it was just, it happened to be an accident. Maybe a workplace accident. I don't know. That would be a manslayer and they would be allowed to dwell or live in those cities of refuge, basically until the high priest died. Then once the high priest died, they could go back home, take their land back, and they would be totally safe from the Avenger of Blood, probably in most cases. Even if the Avenger of Blood did come and try to kill them, the Avenger would then be declared a murderer at that point. And then the Avenger would be put to death as a murderer. So God defined what a murderer was and what a murderer was not. And we talked about all that on Tuesday. So go back to that episode if you'd like to hear it or just read it for yourself here in Numbers 35. But now God is talking about what happens to the murderer. So here in verse 30, anyone who kills a person is to be put to death as a murderer only on the testimony of witnesses. But no one is to be put to death on the testimony of only one witness. So by putting the witnesses in place, God is safeguarding people from other people and liars. That was the point of the witnesses. So there had to be two or more witnesses that saw the same thing and had the same story in order for a person to be condemned to death. No one is to be put to death on the testimony of only one witness. And that's made pretty clear um, all throughout scripture. And when we see when God gives certain death penalties for things, the witnesses have to have seen it. The witnesses had to come forward and see it. No one was to be put to death unless there were two or more witnesses that had the same story and saw the same thing. To me, this is very just. This is a very logical concept to me that um, two people need to have seen the same thing. I actually had a problem <laughs> a couple weeks ago. I was in the library and there was a man who was sexually harassing me in the library. And I ended up calling the cops because it was um, very uncomfortable, very scary for me. And I felt very vulnerable. And on top of that, there was no cameras in this library, which I did not know. And I was kind of in a little secluded area where there wasn't a lot of people. So I was very scared. So I ended up calling the cops and they came out to my house. Um, and yeah, this was literally just a few weeks ago. They came out to my house and asked me a little bit about the situation. And they kind of just told me, like, we can't do anything because A, there was no cameras and B, no one else saw this man doing this. So sorry, we can't really help you. <laughs> and part of me totally understood. 
But I was angry also that there were no cameras in that library. I'm like, what kind of a library doesn't have cameras in it? Like, this is funded by the taxpayer. Like, why can't they put cameras in a library? That's so dumb. Okay. What I'm saying, though, is it was my word against this other man's word. And the cops aren't just going to trust one person who has a story, because I'm sure it happens a lot where they try to get another person in trouble. However, this is specifically for the death penalty. No one could be put to death under the witness of only one person. It had to be two or more. This isn't saying that a a person who witnessed something can't go and say something about it and that person can't get in trouble and it can't be uh, investigated. That's not what this is saying at all. This is specifically here talking about the death penalty. The death penalty could not be done if only one person had a story. And that was just God protecting people. But anyway, verse 31 and 32, this talks about bribes. Do not accept ransom for the life of a murderer who deserves to die. In other words, a bribe. There to be put to death. There's like no two ways about that one. If a murderer uh, tried to bribe the judge, that is injustice in God's eyes because that murderer who killed another human being, another innocent human being, needs to be put to death. And God was very clear about all of this because, first and foremost, God is the God of life, right? He created everything. He created human beings. He created life. So for somebody to go out and kill a human being that God created, that is not only usurping the authority of God, but that is also killing somebody. (laughs) Like even on a basic level, I think most people have a good understanding that killing other people is just flat out wrong. I think unless you're like a crazy, psychotic sociopath, you pretty much understand that killing other people is just wrong. (laughs) And I do believe it's because God just put that in us. So anyway, we're not supposed to be taking bribes or rather the judges. We're not supposed to be taking bribes from a murderer because that murderer deserved to die. He killed he killed somebody else. He took the life of somebody else. So in return, his life should be taken. And that is what God says. I mean, God is actually very clear about the death penalty in a handful of cases, one of them being that murderers should be put to death. And not to get too political here, but a lot of countries don't follow the death penalty. And personally, I do believe that that is anti-biblical. If a person did commit murder against another person, I do believe that that is um, requiring of the death penalty. Like, for example, I was watching that uh, Jeffrey Dahmer <laughs> uh, Netflix thingy that just came out. And um, I didn't know that the state of, was it Michigan? I didn't know that that state didn't have the death penalty. And I was kind of like shocked that Jeffrey Dahmer, who killed 18 boys, was allowed to live. Like, to me, that was just very, very shocking. And yeah, but I'm not going to get too political with that personally. But moving forward, it says here in verse 32, do not accept a ransom from anyone who has fled to a city of refuge and allow them to go back and live on their own land before the death of the high priest. We kind of talked about that briefly on Wednesday and also last Friday. Uh, but, (laughs) But basically what this is saying is that a person who is a manslayer, an accidental killer, needed to stay in his city of refuge. And God made that very clear. Because yes, even though in a sense he was innocent, that still doesn't mean that there's no consequences for that action. Because that was a very grave thing that happened. 
So yes, there was going to be consequences for the Manslayer. And that consequence was just that they had to relocate to the city until the high priest died. Do not accept a bribe from a a manslayer who wants to go back home and uh, live in his land because the consequences of what happened means that he has to stay inside that city until the high priest dies. So moving forward in verse 33 and 34, do not pollute the land where you are. Bloodshed pollutes the land and atonement cannot be made for the land on which blood has been shed, except by the blood of the one who shed it. I mean, that's pretty uh, self-explanatory. When a murderer murders somebody, that blood is soaked into the land. And basically what God is saying is that pollutes it. And the land cannot buy itself back. The land cannot atone itself is what it says. So the only way to atone the land that has been polluted is to shed the blood of the one who shed it. In other words, to kill the murderer. And that's the only way the land uh, can be freed almost from this pollution of the blood. This is really an interesting concept to me that uh, bloodshed pollutes the land. I find that very, very interesting. In other words, murderers, I should say. Not all bloodshed, because <laughs> sacrifices did exist back in this time period, I should mention. This was specifically talking about murderers. Then going on to verse 34, do not defile the land where you live and where I dwell, for I, the Lord, dwell among the Israelites. So God is saying the one way you can defile the land is by both killing, murdering other human beings in that land and also not showing justice. Like, if that murderer is allowed to roam around free, that defiles the land is what God says. And God says, because he dwelled with the Israelites, he tells them, he says, I dwell here, so do not pollute the land with bloodshed. Just don't do it. Because this land is to remain holy. And if a land is polluted, it's obviously not holy. I think the way God ends this is, is very powerful. Like, look, I live here is what he says. He says, I live among you, so remain holy. And I think what this just kind of boils down to is that the Israelites should have been taking measures to make God's home comfortable, not just for themselves, but also for God to live there. Because having God dwelling with the Israelites, having God living there among them was going to produce so much blessings for the Israelites. I mean, imagine having that kind of relationship with God where he physically dwells with you, like he physically lives with you. And that's what happened. I mean, God's presence was there. He was physically living among his people and they should have been taking measures to make sure that they remained holy so that God's presence remained there with them. And this is kind of the same concept for you and I, because you and I have the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. If we accept the Holy Spirit, he lives inside. He makes our bodies his home, basically. So all of this can be pointed to the New Testament, where we're also supposed to be making our temples, our homes for God, comfortable places for him to live, for the Holy Spirit to dwell in. So it's kind of the same concept that uh, we should try to keep ourselves pure. We should try to keep ourselves holy, not just for ourselves, but because we want to honor God through that. Well, faithful listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please share it on your social media platforms and tell people that the Bible Explained podcast exists. I'm not going to blabber on for too much longer. Just have a wonderful weekend. And I'll see you guys bright and early for the last episode of Numbers on Monday. So I'll see you then. Happy listening and God bless. Ooh.